As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Think to yourself, what was an accomplishment that you had this week? Maybe... On Friday, you landed that big account at work. Maybe yesterday, like me, you finally got the leaves raked. Anybody? The only problem is I looked up and I saw that there's more coming. Or maybe it was simple as this, or maybe much more complicated, your accomplishment is that you got the kids here to church and they have matching shoes and socks. (laughs) Praise the Lord! No matter what it is, big or small, I hope you will agree with me that accomplishments are meant to be celebrated. And too often, we can move forward to the next thing And we don't give the praise that we need to give for how we're working together and doing what God desires. So today, I want to celebrate an accomplishment with you. We've all done it. All of you here sitting in the seats and all of us joining online. What's the accomplishment? Grab your Bibles whether it's a flat one, a screen, or that book that you're holding in your hands, and we finished the book of Galatians. Come on now, let's praise the Lord. And so what I want to do is we've walked through this book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word, and we've identified nine steps to freedom in Christ. Why? Well, and this is the review, because sometimes we're fooling ourselves, and we're pursuing a faith that is works-driven. And sometimes it results in the fact that what? There's a lot of guilt that is written in us as a result. And so we wanted to look at this book because it corrects all that. And so what I want to do today is it's Review Sunday. And I didn't get one applause (laughs) or gasp. And you're like, why do we need to do Review Sunday? I'm going to tell you why, because if you missed a week, now you got all caught up. If you haven't been here for nine weeks, I hate to say it wasn't important because now you get everything. But the truth of the matter is we want to galvanize our hearts and our souls together because this is an important letter. It has great implications for us. It had great implications for them. And it has great implications for everyone that you touch. The people you lock eyes on. I want to help you experience more freedom in Christ. That's why we went here. I want to help you help others experience more freedom in Christ. That's what our goal is. Help you to help others. And first, we got to help ourselves, our own soul care. Because sometimes... We're not experiencing that freedom for whatever the reason is. So we got to apply it to ourselves first, and then we're going to unleash you today with a commissioning that we want you to help others experience the
the freedom that God intended what the Apostle Paul gave us. So go ahead and grab your notes sheet. If you're a note taker, we're going to jump right in. First step, when we're talking about nine steps, we're going to look at chapter one. Chapter one gives us two steps. And the first thing we got to do is recognize the simplicity of the gospel. And so it's simple. I always like to say that it's simple, but not easy. Because it's simple enough for a three, four, five, six-year-old to understand. But it's not easy because the Lord asks us to continue to surrender. And so that's what Paul talks about in the beginning. He mentions right first, what is the simplicity? Right out of the gates in chapter one, he mentions Jesus. In verses three and four and five, he says that God gave us Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. So right out of the gates, we see the gospel, that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us, that you should have been the one, that I should have been a one that hung on that cross. Stop for a moment. Have you ever thought of it that way? But he did it for us. And if that hasn't brought a tear to your eye recently, I'm not sure if you're recognizing the simplicity of the gospel and its effects and impact on us. But it didn't bring a tear to the eye to this group. And so many people, as Paul was presenting this, they grabbed hold and then they went off course. And so we see in verses 6 and 7 that what? It says that some were turning to a different gospel. It says specifically a distorted gospel. Underline those phrases in your Bible. And, And what were they doing? They were making the gospel more complicated than it ought to be. And again, we're not going to go through every detail, but they were adding things like circumcision and the old tradition and Sabbath keeping. All these rules and regulations. And so we have said it quite simply, let's do some review. That there's three false gospels that Paul was battling against that we battle against. Grace plus works. Grace times works. Faith minus works, you say, what do you mean? I get the first one, grace plus works, that what? That for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not as a result of works, so that no one will boast, Paul said in Ephesians chapter two. What's grace times works? Well, that's this idea that we come to Christ and we're saved by grace, but then we're sanctified by works. That we can change ourselves by our own efforts in our own strength. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. We need him. Grace is for us being saved, and grace is for us to mature and grow, to be given to one another. And then faith minus works. Notice, please, we went to faith. Why? Because that's what James talks about. I had a conversation with a guy up front last week, right here. And we talked about it, and he said, he said well, if that's true, that, then, then what about how do works relate? And works are change. And James chapter 2, Jesus' half-brother, he says it so clearly. He says that faith without works is dead. So we need works. But works are a byproduct of a dynamic faith. 
Works are the byproduct of the gospel. They're not a requirement. They're a byproduct. And so God changes us, just like he's changing the guy I talked to up front. Is God changing you? Because that's the gospel. And so we simplified it, write it right in your Bibles, that what? That the gospel is this, Jesus plus anything the false gospel is equals nothing. But the true gospel, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you've experienced the true gospel, give God a praise. Come on now, Jesus plus nothing, not my works, not my efforts, not what I do, not how good I think I am, nothing. Second thing is this, not only the simplicity of the gospel, but we're gonna look and continue in chapter one, we gotta understand the significance of the gospel. And so what's the significance? Well, if you look at verse 12, chapter one, work through the six chapters with me, Paul says, for I didn't receive it, this gospel from man, nor was I taught it, I received it through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul's story is told three times in Acts that, that God changed his life. And he didn't just become a spokesman, he was a customer. Like he was proclaiming it to the world. But first it changed him. The gospel changed his life. And so what's the significance of the gospel? It's the change agent of a holy God. It's what you need to change. It's what I need to change. It's what the people around you in your home and in your family and in the workplace and around this world need for change. We can't do it apart from ourselves. The gospel is what brings us change. We've said it in so many different ways. The gospel is what's been done, D-O-N-E, not what I do, D-O. The gospel, why do I give you these phrases? Because I want to help you help others. And the gospel is about, it's not about human achievement. It's about divine accomplishment. Those phrases in your head that you can drip on some people around you and not necessarily drop because they're not ready. But the gospel is about what Jesus has done. And let the people see what he's doing in you. I love how Tim Keller says it. And you know, he, great theologian. And he said it so eloquently. He's with the Lord now. And he said it like this. Let's put it long quote on the screen. Let me go ahead and read it. Hang with me. Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Look what religion says. Religion says this. Motivation is based on fear and insecurity. But the gospel says motivation is based on grateful joy. Hey, what else does religion say? Because I don't want a lot of religion. Religion is about man's attempt to reach up to God. Christianity and the gospel is God reaching down to man in Christ. And religion says, I obey God to get things from God. But, but the gospel says, I obey God to get God, to delight in and resemble him. He goes on to say, religion says, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I'm angry, I'm upset at God or myself since I believe anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. But the gospel says, hey, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle, but I know all my punishment fell on Jesus and that while God may allow this for a training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my tribe. He goes on to say, religion says, when I'm criticized, I'm furious, I'm devastated. <laughs> 
because it's critical that I think of myself as a good person. Treats threats to that self-image must be destroyed at all costs. But the gospel has a different take. When I'm criticized, I struggle, but it's not essential for me to think of myself as a good person. My identity is not built on the record or my performance, but on God's love for me in Christ. What else? I think there's one other one. Is there another one? Is that it? That's it. Like that wasn't enough. Like we were going to add to Tim Keller. I mean, that's enough, but that is the truth that what? That the gospel is so different from religion. And so the third thing is we jump into chapter two. We've got two steps in chapter two. Help you, help yourself, help others. That's the message. That's the backswing thought for all the golfers. Help you, help yourself, help others. That's what we want to do. And so he says this, embrace the freedom of the gospel. And so that's why the letter was penned, because people were judging each other based upon false motives, people, and judgment, please. Sometimes we, Christians, we judge people and we don't know the facts or the circumstances. And that's what was happening. And so they were judging each other. They were misrepresenting each other. They were adding things to the gospel. They were doing all these things. And Paul's like, but you gotta embrace the freedom. And once you embrace the freedom, if I were to do it over again, these nine steps, hate to admit it, but I wouldn't say embrace, I'd say enjoy. Because I don't think Christians enjoy. But before you cross it out and think it's wrong, we got to embrace to enjoy. And so we're not enjoying the freedom. And we're, we're upset Christians. We're backbiting Christians. Enjoy the freedom that gospel brings. And so what it means is this. Paul talks about, let's look at the verses in chapter 2. He says, these false brothers got in. And I don't know what happened. They slipped in through that back door. Or maybe there was a couple of them that got in through that door. Nobody realizes that door is closer to the parking lot. And you can get in and out really quick. And so they slipped in. And what did they do? They came here just to spy. They were just looking. They weren't looking to learn. They were looking to criticize and jump to wrong false motives. And so what? They slipped into spite our freedom. Why are they so happy here at High Point? They shouldn't be. And, and so that they might bring us into slavery again. That's what Paul said. But I love this verse because he says we didn't yield to him in submission, not even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Paul preserved it, so we have a responsibility to preserve it for the next generation. And so let me quickly, we're going to go through this quick. I'm going to give you a, a, a list that we looked at already. How do you know if you're a spy? How do you know if you slipped in and you're promoting legalism? How do you know if it's happening in you? And, you know, we're laughing, but sometimes it happens and we don't even know it. And so it's five signs that, that we want to throw you out of the church. Just kidding. But that's what Paul was doing. And if you think I'm joking, look at the signs that he wrote and look at the strength of what he said because he wasn't taking it anymore. I mean, never do you see a letter with such heart of protection. And so rules of relationship. 
hey, you know what? If it, your freedom is at risk, if it's the, about the rules versus the relationship, and your walk with God is about what you can't do instead of what you can do. That's a sign of legalism. What else? Second thing, duty over delight. Again, this is review. You wrongly believe that God is never pleased with you, and your faith journey becomes this chore. Like, that's your, it's a danger, and it's a danger they had. Third one is this. We want freedom. This is the big one. External behavior over internal heart change. So Jesus said it to the people, you whitewashed tombs. Said it to the religious leaders. Why? Because they were promoting what they, an external behavior. You're more concerned with how you look on the outside rather than who you're becoming on the inside. How about this fourth one? Judging others over judging self. And so you compare yourself to others instead of comparing yourself to Christ. <laughs> hey, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, I'm just telling you right now, you ain't looking so good. And so that neighbor of yours, you could say, yep, I got my leaves all raked. Would you get going? But with Jesus, it's, it's different. And so these are the five signs. And so these are the signs that we've, we've got to looking down over looking up. This is one that's really important to me. And you see people for who they are in the flesh instead of who they can become in Christ. And so you're looking at people through eyes without God, without change, without the gospel, without the cross. And so we need to look at people not for who they are today, but for who they can be in Christ. And that's when we become more accepting. That's when we become more loving. That's when we understand Jesus' perfect combination of grace and truth. So these are the signs. Don't want this. Want the true gospel. That, that's what we're going after. That's the freedom that Paul speaks about. And so we're sticking in this chapter, and look with what comes next, is what he says next is the third excuse me, four step, share the essentials of the gospel. So what are the essentials? Hey, if you're just thinking about, you know, getting a tattoo, sorry for bringing that up, but like I'm a Christian, I, I want to get a tattoo, what's a good one? Galatians 2.20. Let me go ahead and show you, I got it this week. I'm kidding. All the parents are emailing me, I can't believe you did that. My child is too young to hear that. Well, get him upstairs in the kids' ministry then. <laughs> just having fun, just having fun. I know I'm stepping on some toes on review weekend. But seriously, Galatians 2.20, it has the essentials. Three essentials. For I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life he lives, he gave. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Memorize this verse. Get it in your holster. Use it in a good way. Look what he said. Your past. Hey, the rear view mirror, you were crucified, man. That's done. But the essential of the gospel is the present, that I'm not living in myself and my own strength. I'm living, I live through Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the future, he gives a tip of the hat to it by saying, the life you live now in the flesh, you live, you and I live by faith in the God who loves me, in the God who cares for me, in the God who provides for me, in the God who in Jesus is up in heaven right now. And what is he doing? He's interceding for us with the Father. Can we praise the Lord for his goodness and grace? And, and so 
are you experiencing these essentials? Because it's not enough for you to experience them and model them so it is so important. But we need to share them. We need to share them with, first in our family, with our kids and with our relatives. And Thanksgiving's coming. And for some of you, you're like, oh gosh, I don't want to be there. I remember that with Jody and I. We'd leave Chicago. We'd drive six and a half hours to Cleveland. And we'd get there, and then we needed a vacation when we got back. <laughs> because we were the only Christians in our family. And so what step of faith can you take with your family that maybe it's a little one, just praying over the meal? Well, what is it exactly? We want to not only experience these to the fullest, we want to share them with others. Because we want to experience freedom so that we can help others experience freedom too. So thankful to have uh, Pastor Andy Lowe in um, the audience in the crowd take. Andy, go ahead, take a stand with your wife, your beautiful wife, Karen. And so didn't know I was going to do this, but they're planting a church in Ohio. And we get the privilege, yeah, let's praise the Lord. And we get the privilege of partnering. I know one of them wants to sit down right away. The other one's like, no, I'll stand up for a little bit longer. I'm just kidding. But you say, well, why are we planting a church in Ohio? Why are we partnering? Well, there's all kinds of stuff we, we're all involved in. We want to plant churches everywhere. But I'm from Ohio. And they need another church. But in all seriousness, we're excited about the opportunity to partner together. So Andy's been training and will continue to train. And we're going to send him out. And the Lord's going to do some awesome things. We're excited to partner together. Let's pray for the Lord to work through them as that's the hardest step to step out and plant a church. It's just a very difficult thing and, and to push forward. And so they need our prayers, they need our support and we want to do what? We want to do the same thing they're doing in the lives of the people around us. So share the essentials of the gospel. Next thing is this. Unveil the mystery of the gospel. That's step number five. And so step number five, uh, chapter three, I got it all in one step. There's so much here. But look what Paul says. He says, let me ask you this. And, and remember, he's, he's combating. He's like, guys, think, put your thinking caps on. Did, did, you, did you receive the spirit of God by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, hearing by faith. Did, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit of God and now being perfected by the flesh? We already talked about that. It's grace times works. No! And so he's talking about how we enter into a relationship with God, not through works, not through what we do, not through human achievement, but by what's been done, by divine accomplishment, by who Jesus is and what he's done, that I would accept that truth for myself. And if you're here, maybe you're watching online and we're all about the gospel. We're not about a pastor. We're not about a church. We're about the name of Jesus Christ. We're not about a logo. We're not about anything else but Jesus Christ. We will boast in no others but him. That's our desire. We want to help people get that vertical relationship right. And so once we do that, it's easier to get this right. But the church doesn't always get it right. 
And so one of the emphasis we have here is we want to get it right. Hey, we're one church in four languages. Is that awesome? We heard one of them today. Raise your hand if you speak Korean, please. I need some lessons. But we heard a testimony of how God's bringing a different people group than I would have imagined to us. And so God wants us to get this right to help us get this right. And that's what's going to help our world, this right. You can get all kinds of frustration about this and this people group and this war and these people and these. Can I just tell you that we've been fighting together for centuries and decades and over and over the fight will continue because we don't have this right. And even in the church. And so that's why Paul ends this section in Galatians chapter 3. And he says it like this. I'm going to read the verse before it. He says in verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Got this right, so now you can get this right. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Can we praise the Lord? We're one in him. And so we got to get along. And the gospel is what reconciles people to God and people to each other. And so we've had the privilege, I'll tell you, he's in his 90s. And I'd like to get him back one more time. Dr. Perkins, Dr. John M. Perkins, he's been on this stage. He's taught us. He's taught me. I've been to his house. He, he's, for, for decades, the last four presidents, he's given help to reconciliation. And so don't listen to me. Listen to him. This guy knows what he's talking about. He says, the problem is that there's a gaping hole in our gospel. We've preached a gospel that leaves us believing that we can be reconciled to God, but not reconciled to our Christian brothers and sisters who don't look like us. Brothers and sisters with whom we are, in fact, one blood. And then he goes on to say this. Biblical reconciliation is the removal of tension between parties and the restoration of loving relationships. If you haven't read One Blood by John Perkins, pick it up, classic, really old, really good. Reconciliation. That, that's, we'd be reconciled to God so that we could be reconciled with people around us, different people groups who look different. Can we not ignore that Galatians was written because the Jews and the Gentiles, they couldn't get along? Because the Jews were like, no, you got to do this. And the Gentiles were like, well, why? Circumcision. Uh, and all the men said, ugh. That's what's going on. The racial tension is in the scriptures. And so biblical reconciliation is about vertical and horizontal. And it disturbs our hearts that the church isn't leading the way. And so we want to we see God move. We want to see God reconcile. And we want to be used of him. That's freedom. Next step is this. What step is it? Remind me. Step number six. We're going to do the whole chapter. Chapter four. Why? Because, man, I'm telling you, it, we want to walk through books of the Bible. And we want to get the content. And we just won't want to learn for information that we want to stuff our heads with more information so that we can jam other people. No, we want life change. And so this is about persevering in the truth of the gospel. And so how do we persevere in the truth of the gospel? Well, Galatians chapter 4, Paul says this, starting in verse 4, but 
when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, that means to bring back, bought back, those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption, know a little bit about that. If you've adopted a kid, you know what that's about. If you've been adopted, you know. And what does he say? And because you are sons, and we've taught on that, I'll include daughters too, because the sons were the only ones to get the full inheritance in this context with their sandals on. So that's why he said sons, because the daughters didn't get the full inheritance. But we read it, we understand. No, the daughters and sons get the full inheritance. What's the inheritance? Well, we can cry, Abba, Father, the most intimate name for our God, that it's translated in the original language, Daddy. We can call out to God. He's our father. He's like our dad. So you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter and a son and a daughter and an heir through God. And so that's what the scripture is teaching us. That's the step that we see. It's all about identity, who you are. So that's why we're talking about, let's go back to what the step is. Excuse me, go back to what the step is. And so we want to persevere in the truth of the gospel. So what's the truth of the gospel? It isn't what you're saying with the self-talk that you're beating yourself up. The truth of the gospel says, now let's go to it. These are the things that, this is our identity. And so our identity in Christ. And I'm not going to go through each one. But this is who you are. You're not what you're telling yourself. You're not maybe what other people are telling you. This is who God says that you are. You've been chosen. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been loved. You've been adopted. You are victorious in Christ. That's what the scripture says. That's what I want to speak over you. That's an important step. That's the truth of the gospel. That's how you persevere through difficulty. That's how you handle that difficult situation at work. That's how you handle that difficult person here at church. That's how you handle all things. You got to recognize who you are. You got to recognize who others are. You got to recognize that we've been chosen and we've been accepted. And we can live in victory. Next step, it's this practice the discipline. And so step number seven is an important one, but there's some confusion. You think I'm going to say, well, read your Bible more. You think I'm going to say, well, how are you doing? You're going to get a giving letter coming, and are you caught up with your limitless giving? You think that that's what I'm going to say. You think I'm going to say, well, you need to pray more. Why don't you get up at 6 a.m.? What's wrong with you? Get up at 6 a.m. and open your Bible and study your notes. I'm not saying those things aren't important serving, giving. But who, what you do flows through who you are. And who you are fuels what you do. And that's what Paul's talking about. And so yes, all those things are important, but they got to flow from a heart that's been changed. And so Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five, he says, you are called to freedom. He wasn't laying more guilt trips on him. What you need to do. You didn't read through the Bible this year? What's wrong with you? Uh, He he didn't do that. He's not putting a yoke on him. He's saying, 
You're called to freedom, only don't use your freedom that you believe in what you can do as an opportunity for the flesh. Look at what I did. Hey. He's not saying that. He's saying, but love serves one another. And so then he mentions the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the Lord, your neighbor, excuse me, as yourself. And so if we double click on that, he's quoting Jesus. He's quoting the Old Testament. The word became flesh, Jesus. He said it in the Old Testament. One of my favorite chapters and one of my favorite verses. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five. Why do I like that verse? Well, because it says what the great commandment is. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Paul's talking about. One of the first verses I ever memorized. I always get it right. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You know why? Because I'm 6, 5. <laughs> and that's why God did it like that, so that I'd remember. But he used little tricks, you know what I mean? And so, so Paul's like, we've got to love each other as ourselves. And so he wants us that's how we practice. And so we got a great opportunity next week. This is the infomercial time of the message. We can flex this muscle. And so we have what we call Care Center Sunday. It's, we stock the Care Center. And so we've been doing this for years. It's a great opportunity for us, for our community to be seen, for us to take care of needs. I just walked, I was in the church in the back today and I love being in the back before the service starts because if I was going to this church and not in the role I had, I'd be sitting in the back row. So I love you guys in the back. But could you please move up a little bit? But seriously, I'm talking to somebody, and, and it's a, a woman, and I'm not going to say much more than that. And, and she revealed a couple needs. And I'm like, I want to help with that. We want to help with that. And then I said, we can't do everything, but we're going to help. And so Stock the Care Center is about us stocking the care center not only here in Naperville, that's on the second floor, but all of our care centers. So you come to church, we shorten the worship and the message, and we release you early. It's only 60 minutes. And then you go and you go to a neighboring store where it's all set up and we got a truck and you got signs and like, you know, High Point and you're walking into a, a store and, you know, there's High Point people waiting and they get, you got a list and you buy this stuff and then we stock the care center. So it shows that we care for our community and it shows that you care. And it models to your kids that, hey, let's do this together. So that's what we're doing because we want to flex the muscle of serving and loving one another as it says in Galatians chapter five. That's what we're doing. I know you people. I love you. Do not blow it off. <laughs> I know what's going through your mind right now. 60 minutes, sounds good. Why should I come? Well, come because we want to help you help others. And we want to be a light in our community. Next step is this. We got two more. Maximize the effectiveness of the gospel. And so we want to maximize the effectiveness. Three ways. We see it at the end of chapter five. Paul gives us three ways to maximize the effectiveness of the gospel. First, in verse 16, we walk by the Spirit. I got to walk in the Spirit of God. Why? Because then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, it says. And why? Because we know that the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. There's an internal war going on in you. Oh, that's what it is? Yeah, there's God and through His Holy Spirit, and then there's the old part and the old flesh. And which one is going to take over today? 
Which one took over yesterday? That's what we want to see. And so Paul says you get to walk by the Spirit, and that's what we do. And then I say we need to follow the Spirit. And he uses the words we got to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because we're not under the law. And then he lists the laundry list of things that we used to do that we don't want to be about anymore. And then lastly, we've got to yield to the Spirit because God wants to produce some things in you. And so what he wants to do is he wants to produce fruit, singular, we've studied this, fruit of the Spirit, it's revealed in several ways. And so God wants to grow some things in you, grow you in love, grow you in joy, grow you in peace, grow you in patience, thinking the best of one another. Grow in, what does he say? Gentleness, faithfulness, Goodness that we could share the good news of Christ with the people around us. That is what Paul talks about. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to yield to the Spirit. Lastly, I love this, man. Chapter 6. So we covered it last week. And so the last thing is this, that we would not only maximize the effectiveness of the gospel, but we would multiply the blessings of the gospel. And so that's what we talked about when we were together. And we said, if anyone's caught in any kind of difficulty or any kind of transgression in verse one, you are spiritual, we need to restore him. Restore means to make whole. And he says that, what, in a spirit of gentleness. And then he says, hey, take a look at yourself first. Make sure you're being gentle, lest you too be tempted. But then he says, bear one another's burdens. And we had a, a bunch of bricks, and they were in a bag, and I was carrying them, and that's the burdens, because the burden in the original language literally means a heavy stone, and so we're carrying these burdens, and so we need to come alongside each other and help us to carry them together to make the load easier for us to carry, and when we do that, we multiply the blessings of the gospel. So here we go. These are the steps. In a moment, our ushers, I didn't kind of clear this yet. Do we got that card? Somebody, our ushers are going to hand out these cards. And so do we have one? Who's got one? Nobody's got a stinking card. Ushers have them. That's great. Usher, somebody. Thank you. Let's praise the Lord for ushers. Let's, let's, let's praise the Lord for one obedient usher. And so let's do this. How are we going to do it? We're going to hand them out the doors? Okay, so on your way out, the nine steps are here on this card. And so we want to help you help others. And so this is to help you. Ron, why did you make me take notes <laughs> if you're going to hand out the card? Well, I'll tell you why, because I know you people. That's why. And you know what? I want to get, because it, retention is better when, when we do take notes. And so this is a great summary of where we've been. So the worship team is coming forward. I want us all to stand. Grab one of these on your way out. I'm going to ask my friend Roger to come up on the stage right now, and he's going to pray for us because we're going to pray. We've been emphasizing prayer this year. So thankful for Roger, his wife, his family. I want you to pray specifically. I'm going to give you this, not to pray all the steps, but just think about praying for us to experience more freedom in Christ so that we would experience it.
as a church family together and that we're going to sing. Sound good? Bow your heads with me.